Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, people? You know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band, which means you're here for another episode of Unfiltered. This is episode number 17 of the pod entitled National Treasure. And thank you, Unfiltered Band. Uh, speaking of National Treasures, you can get me on Twitter at Casey Stern. Also, follow me on the YouTube channel and Believe and get Believe on Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, look, it's hard to believe when you're talking about any athlete or anyone. For most of us, what kind of world do you have to be in where you turn down $440 million, all right? It's hard for any of us who are sitting <clears throat> as normal human beings to understand that. For some, it's hard to turn down $44, $440, $44,000 to get all the way up to where you're turning down $440 million. It's a place none of us can understand. However, to understand the talent, let's start there of Juan Soto and just how unique he is of a player and an athlete. Understand that you will see the same thing that I'm about to say when you go across the, the Twitter sphere today or go on social media, and you're going to hear it in the coming days and weeks and months before whenever he's eventually dealt, which I will tell you, in my opinion, it's much more likely that it's going to be in many months than it's going to be in the next two to three weeks between now and the deadline even though that's going to be the focus of the discussion because the deadline is coming up and because it just came out that, you know, now he's quote-unquote available, right? When you're thinking about the talent of Juan Soto, all right, it tells you all you need to know that every player that you're going to hear from and every front office member that you're going to hear from and everyone covering the game that you're going to hear from is going to tell you what I'm about to tell you, and that is he's going to make more money than that out there in the open market. Now, there's always the gamble because you got to be bubble wrapped. If you get injured, it's all gone. So is there a risk? Is there a danger? We're talking about betting on themselves and players we normally discuss betting on themselves. And we discuss it with these Band-Aid deals where they get a one-year contract somewhere and, you know, they bet on themselves. And you look, the Aaron Judge situation, right? Betting on himself this year. And, and we're talking about an exorbitantly larger contract that comes in the future if they perform in that season, Right. And they are betting themselves because it, it certainly can go down if they lose value. Or in this case, in Juan Soto's case, in any case, if they get hurt, all of a sudden all bets are off. Blow out a knee, you blow out all the money. This is not Ian Desmond, speaking of another national years ago, turning down $100 million, right? This is not greed. This is a situation whether the money was deferred or not, and we'll get into the contract and how it, it differs a bit from the Bryce Harper scenario that people figured had some kind of play in this. When you hear about the Nationals, you immediately think deferred money. This is backloaded money in which you can look at it a number of different ways. But based on the reports that are out there, we're talking about AAVs that are much more into the distant future in the deal than now. And even the now figures, when you think about AAVs like $29 million a year, there are a list of players on average and in a per-year basis that are already waking way more than what he would be paid in this deal per year that are not nearly as good as Juan Soto. Now, does it mean that, hey, I jump off a bridge, you got to jump, or I make a bad deal, you got to make a bad deal, I have a bad business decision, you got to have a bad business decision? No. But there is a benchmark that is set for dollars. That's how players and agents have always handled this. And the benchmark you look at, Really, that is the only one is what is Mike Trout getting paid, right? And what is it, $425 million in total, and then 440 and that you try and put it together in a way that says, hey, 
I think and feel that at your age, and they'd be right, that when you take your talent level and being a top five player in the sport, right? Perennial MVP candidate last year, missing time and being on the Nationals, and boom, you're still there anyway because of the value that you carry. When you're a one of one, if you will, right? Pun intended in terms of where you stand <clears throat> on the the chart of incline that is still going in your career because we saw this guy at 19 and he didn't even know what he was doing and he's making postseason impact. The, the home runs off Garrett Cole in the World Series, all the things he was doing, he's continuing to get better and better and better. When you've got incline of a player's performance, not even into his prime age yet, and you're thinking about that, it enables you to say, hey, the value of my player as an agent is higher than any you've ever dealt with because we're seeing high-end deals 12 13 years for guys who are 29 30 years old not this age not at this point in his career where he's not even in his prime yet where we're talking about a top five player they're not much room to go you could think how could this dude get better but he could get better he could get better defensively and he can get on a better team and put up better production numbers where he's not carrying it all by himself he, he draws a ton of walks, as we know, but if you put behind him a, a stronger lineup, you've got to pitch to him more, and if you pitch to this guy, you're going to get hurt and get hurt badly. My prediction, to quote uh, Mr. T and Rocky Three, would be pain, right, for the opposing pitcher. You've got all these things going for you if you're Juan Soto. You know, again, injury aside, that you're betting on yourself, but you're going to make more than $440 million. So is this about money, or is this about not wanting to play for the Nationals? The first thing we need to do is back up and say, no matter what I say is my opinion on what I see in the situation or anybody covering the Nationals or anybody nationally says, or even those who say Juan Soto told someone this, Juan Soto told someone this, you know, the organization th understands it this way. Only Juan Soto knows how much he really likes playing for the Nationals, playing in D.C., believes in the franchise, a franchise that, by the way, they're trying to sell. And selling Juan Soto is like, try, you know, a franchise without Juan Soto is like trying to sell a car without an engine or a steering wheel. It's not going to go very far. So good luck with all that. You better try selling the franchise while you have them because there's no equal value and nobody is going to sit there and tell you that there's any way that the Nationals right now are relevant from any financial standpoint, any business angle, without having Juan Soto part of that team because they're not, all right? Fans are going to go away forever. No one's going to show up at the park. This is a terrible and untenable situation for the Nationals. Now, the good news is a lot of times we see this happen with franchises, and they have not won a World Series yet. They have not been to the playoffs yet. They never were able to net, excuse me, those dollars where you could say, okay, we already at least made such and such, X or Y, off this sort of player. Now, they didn't do it only because of Juan Soto. You had Scherzer and Strauss and, you know, at the time, Anthony Rendon and Trey Turner – and a totally different team. But the franchise was able to, after all the years about, you know, is Strasburg ever going to win, able to capitalize off of going to and winning a World Series. So at least that's in the back pocket. At least, regardless of what happens with the franchise, the fans could say we got a World Series out of it, with Juan Soto a part of it, right, at a young age at 19. The thing about this, though, with Soto in terms of the Nationals and wanting to play there is that, in my opinion, this is not a situation of... Juan Soto just doesn't want to be a national, and they're not going to win. Because if the nationals could offer and weren't being sold, and they could offer $540 million, he'd take it, right? 
Because the thing that we have to understand about what players can deal with, and it's different in baseball than basketball, right? In basketball, the way that now players control things because of the impact they have on teams, I'm one of five guys on a floor. We're three of five guys on a super team that are going to be on the floor 40 minutes a time in a rotation in the playoffs. It's not that way. Otani and Trout can't take the Angels by themselves, as we've seen, right? It doesn't work exactly that way. It's not a quarterback, and I've discussed this in football, right? But... There is a scenario with where Soto sits that he knows, even in baseball, even if this is not the way you'd like people to handle business, the reality is he could take the top dollar, sign a contract as long as it doesn't have a no trade, or at least if it's limited, he's got a list he could put on there. And he could then request a trade two years into the deal, and now he's, you know, the teams are stuck with the big dollars. But if it's Juan Soto when he's performing the way that he's performing, right? Then he still gets traded somewhere else anyway, and they have to take on the 500 mil or whatever would be left, less than that after two years, right? And just yeah, hypothetically. If he gets hurt, you know, then obviously he's still got the payday already before it happened. Everything's still in his favor. So he could still take a higher dollar if the dollar was high enough. You know, it's why to go back to the other sport in the last pot I did about Mitchell and the Knicks, the Knicks paid Jalen Brunson $100 million because you have to overpay for that player to get there. If Juan Soto was overpaid to whatever the level is, and I'm sure there's a number in his mind, you know, maybe it is half a billion dollars, right? Maybe you get to 500 even, and it's, it's even across the board, AAV. Yeah, he'd probably take the deal, all right? It's not he hates the Nationals. I mean, I, I hate when people kind of just depict that and come up with that because nothing I've heard really fits with that in line with Soto anyway, right? But then there's two other parts of that. Part two is if it's at even money, right? If it's at even money and I could stay with my current team and I believe in them, why would I go somewhere else? Devil you know better than the devil you don't. If it's at even money, do I want to be with this team and believe they can win as much as other teams? Do I want to be in this city in Washington, D.C. in this case as much as I want to be in other places? I don't believe that that is the case. Now, we can't really answer that because Juan Soto is not a straight free agent, and it's not like the Nationals offered him $440 million. And then the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Cubs, whoever, Rangers, Seattle, they all offered him $440 million, and then he decided he wants to stay with the Nationals or go somewhere else. Because then at even money, we'll know whether or not he wanted to be somewhere else other than here. But Juan Soto is not going to have to take an even deal at $440 million. First of all, the numbers will only go up anyway when others are in the bidding. When you're on one team and they offer a deal, they're bidding against themselves or what the player and agent think they can get out in the marketplace. So you're bidding against whatever numbers are already out there. Trout's 425, for example, right? And whatever you know thesis has been put together by the agent and the player in this case to say, hey, here's why we think we could net five, net 510, 520, 550, whatever the crazy numbers are, right? Here's the age, here's what the other guys got, here's where we're going to be in five years, all those kind of things. Then you're playing that game of, do I think I'm being treated fairly in the marketplace for what I deserve? And, and that's a big thing for a lot of players. If you think you're the best player in the game, you want to be played like the best player in the game. If you think, hey, maybe I'm you know, number two or three and I'm behind Mike Trout, but in the situation I'm in because of my age and all of that incline that still could be there, here's why I think I could be paid higher. Here's where he was in these age 24, 25, 26, et cetera. And you do it that way. Either way, Juan Soto's getting more than $440 million, people. This dude's going to get 500 mil plus, all right? That's going to happen. People are like, what teams would be involved? Let's go to that, because that's the third piece of this. There 
are certain exceptions to every rule in business and in life. No matter what you're doing for a living, there are exceptions, okay? You could be in a scenario where you think, and, and again, I'll go back to this fits for a lot of other things in, in life and in sports. We were just talking about, right, like the Royals, right? You can't say something is principle if you're with Merrifield and then saying, well, if I was in the postseason, I'd do it, right? If I was on a better team, I'd do it. Well, then it's not principle. But that's an example of this isn't a rule. There are exceptions to it. This is how I feel, but this is where the exception would be. If I had to for family, for medical reasons, for my kids, yada, yada, I would go here. You know, I don't want to be a guy who cleans up the, the ice, you know, after a fight and live in North Dakota. But if you paid me enough money, then I'll do it, right? I don't want to live in, and I'm just picking random places, I don't want to live in, in Alabama, but I'll live in Alabama if it's the best thing for my family, and here's why, right? Everybody's got their own thing. Right? In the same that, in the same scenario, no different at all. You have the situation in the same vein with Juan Soto in this case versus everybody else. There are no other Juan Sotos in this sport, all right? It's like Kevin Durant. It's like trading for Kevin Durant, trying to trade for Kevin Durant, right? You, you treat people in different ways. We've, we've seen, I mentioned years and years ago, the Adam LaRoche situation, right? When he was hitting 30 homers and driving in 100 and hitting 300 or whatever, nobody cared how his kids were on the field, Right? Roger Clemens, going back in the day, like, hey, I only want to travel here. I'll only play at home games. I want to do this. I want to do that. Barry Bonds, I got to travel differently. Whatever, you know, I need a private jet, right? You all, whatever the case is, you may not do that for everybody else, but you're doing it for these guys because the juice is worth the squeeze. That's what it's all about. Well, the juice in, in what you're getting from a performance standpoint and an age and everything else about Juan Soto, what he's going to do monetarily, when you think about, you know, monetizing your your team from a standpoint of from concessions and swag to tickets to sponsorships to buzz to worth of a franchise. You know, it's like you go back to the Astros situation. I remember Jim Crane being in the press conference afterwards when it, okay, hey, we're going to fire AJ and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and, you know, we are so sorry. But you know what people never really talked about? Enough? You can say all the sorries you want. You know how much more your franchise is worth because you went to the World Series? Do you know how much more your franchise is worth because you made those World Series appearances and those playoff runs? Juan Soto is going to net all of those things for your franchise and make a lot of these teams take that kind of jump. So it's an exorbitant amount of money that you make. And that's the part people don't think about also because when you're thinking about a situation with Juan Soto and you're thinking about, okay, well, I got to go ahead and I got to you know, use a big chunk of my pie of whatever money I could spend and if I got to go pay $35, $40 million AAV a year, which is what you're looking at, it could be 40 right? If you're looking at that per year, you got to then get to the situation where you're looking and saying, well, what am I making back? And a lot of that that we think about is about, is the team going to make the playoffs? Is the, are they going to wake the World Series? And we think about to go over the shoulder, you know, prospects are cool and parades are cooler. Am I going to get that parade? But the, the journey to the parade and the parade itself, certainly if the team's a World Series team, just look at what happens to ticket sales the next year. Go look at the Braves sellouts this year compared to what they usually do each year at this time because they were a World Series team. The year after the World Series, everybody's jumping a go. 
know, it, it's not the bandwagon on the way. Maybe August, September, if a team's supposed to be really good and they're better. Even in cities like Cleveland, like teams have you know seen fans you know get on the rise right everywhere but Tampa, let's say, uh, in that St. Pete area because your team's got a chance. But it's the year afterwards where they make the money. Now Soto going to make that money if a team makes the World Series. But how about the journey? How about all the sponsorships? How about the other players? that want to sign. You can monetize in so many different ways the amount of ways that this team's going to make money that whatever money's spent on him, it's not like it's it's it goes out into the ether and it disappears. You're getting a lot of that back. And franchises know that. They know what he's worth. He is is in a very unique scenario. And when you think about his age and what he is, he's a one-on-one unlike anything we've seen in this sport. This is this would be the greatest free agent if he continued for the next couple of years, right? <clears throat> playing even the way he's playing at that age, it would be the highest you know paid free agent we've ever had. It would be the highest profile free agent we've ever had in an offseason, and both those things would be the case. All right. So he's going to make more than four hundred and forty. He's going to make five hundred plus. And teams who normally, my point is, would say, "There's no way I'm paying for that," will pay for it. Uh, no way I'm going to pay a luxury tax and go over because of that. They'll do it. No way I will go ahead and trade all these prospects for that guy. They'll do it because he's a different dude. Let's back up. What about the prospects and the situation of where he is now? Now, when you find out, and look, every team listens to everybody. This whole thing, like, I may not, and I've always used this analogy over the years, and I think it really does make sense. And I'm somebody who, if, if you're new to this with me, only through kind of the podcast and didn't listen to me over the last you know, 20 years or whatever, I, I am a big proponent of we're all normal people. Sometimes you, it's not dumbing it down. Bring it down to normal people level where you and I sit so we can understand, okay, how, what mental place can I put myself in where I would understand what a decision like this could be like, all right? Let me give you the one I always use. You may have just moved into your house. You just unpacking to move into a house when you buy a new house. And congrats to anybody listening who just did this. But when you buy a new house and move into a new house, it is, it is a crazy thing. Now, I've rented in places, but it is nothing like when I bought a house and have been through that. And then you're moving because you're, you're going to it's like a tattoo on your body. Like you're going to have it forever. Right. And even though I didn't, I had it for 15 years. So, you know, this is a long period of time. It's not like a one or two year lease, right? You're going to be in a situation where unpacking is like the biggest albatross ever. Like you're renovating, you're doing all these things. When you finally go from sitting and eating pizza out of a box on a floor and you've got nothing but a futon, everything's in boxes, the delivery guys haven't come on time, you, the cable hasn't been set up on time, all that stuff, and you're finally done, whether it takes you two to three weeks or two to three months, I want you to imagine that day and the, the relief if you've been there, and a lot of us have, right? The relief of, oh my God, like you look over, it's finally over, right? Like the last thing's pushed in the garage. This is kind of, at least for now, how we dreamed our house would be set up. All right. Kids are sleeping, sitting there, husband and wife, you're having a, a bottle of, of champagne. You just toasted and the phone rings. You go pick it up. You say, uh-huh. Really? Uh-huh. Really? Holy crap. Okay. And you hang up. Then your spouse says to you, who was that? Well, honey, that was the realtor. They said, somebody just offered us 50% above what we just paid for this house. If we move out of it right now, 99% of you and me are now going 
and getting every box you just had, almost like you're going in rewind, you're packing all over again and finding another place to live because of the exorbitant amount of money that would be. Just think about it, even if you, if you paid whatever for a house, a couple hundred thousand, and just go and do that the numbers, right? 50% would be crazy. I mean, you might look to make that an investment over 20 years. You just made it in 10 minutes. You never in the world, if somebody would have called you five minutes before that and said, hey, would, would you ever move again? You would have said, move again? I just, I just got done unpacking. What are you, crazy? Are you batshit nuts? I just got through all this garbage. It's the worst thing in the world. I'm going to be here for 20 years. You don't understand what I'm building in the backyard. Me and little Tommy were just out there talking about the playground we're going to build. I got this new pool that's getting clean tomorrow, right? Like the bathroom fixtures are great. I mean, my wife is so happy with everything that's going on. I got the dungeon downstairs and the man cave all set up with, with the movie theater. Did no way. It wouldn't matter what anybody did. The hell with that. You're not moving. But there's an exception to everything in life. They're an exception to every business deal in life. When finances are involved, there is an exception to everything, all right? You don't even want to know how many people would break up with you or divorce you tomorrow if they got a big check to do it. And, it, like, you don't even want to know. Facts, okay? This real life. This is real life. People will do anything for money. It's crazy, and look, I like would say, well, I'm not that way, and I'm not. But there are probably exceptions to that rule, too. Juan Soto's an exception. So how many teams can afford him? It's not just the Mets and the Yankees. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, the Dodgers, well, how about, like, I got all these other contracts on the payroll. You figure it out for Juan Soto. Again, let's go back to that. You move dudes. You, you figure out contracts you can get rid of. Cubs, Texas Rangers, Seattle Mariners. I mean, there are a lot of teams that you could put in the Boston Red Sox for sure, right? San Francisco Giants, who love star quality for sure. Padres, for sure. There's a million teams. This idea is like there's no teams. Are you kidding me? I'd probably give you 12 teams that could do it because he's an exception to do it. The money he's going to make you is an exception to do it. Now, the other part of that, all right, and speak, before I go to the other part of that, and I want to get into trading for him if you can't sign him long-term, which I know people don't talk about a lot, but I think is also something to discuss here. But when we talk about exceptions, one of the exceptions where this fits, and I've already talked to a couple people, executives, in the last couple hours to kind of get their thought like, am I wrong with this? Or like this idea of indivision is just is some bullshit here. And it is. It's some bullshit. That's, that's, and, and look, I'm not going just based on two people, but I, I, I believe – wholeheartedly as well from what i know with this industry it's bullshit why the nationals don't even know who's going to own the team they're trying to sell it the franchise isn't going to be worth anything without soto no matter how many draft picks you get or what you get for him right it, it doesn't matter because they're not going to be a factor against you until that cycle rolls all the way around five six years from now and by then soto depending upon the contract may not even been on your team and asked to be traded again anyway right so it in division, is, he could be traded to the Braves. He could be traded to the Mets. He could be traded to the Phillies. Absolutely, to the Mar you know, Marlins in terms of in division. Absolutely. In division, this is another one of these exceptions to the rule. Like a guy who's got one year left and you're battling for a division and you're four games behind them, you're not going to trade this dude to them to go assure that you lose the division. In this case, it doesn't mean shit. Nobody cares. He could be traded in division. So let's get rid of that. Let me go to the other part. Most people will look at, and you're right, that in this scenario, especially when you look at the timing of it, all right, and let's start with that here, 
Well, it's, it's three weeks to the deadline. You got time, or two and a half weeks, whatever it is. You got time, all right? You have time in terms of to have conversations. But are you going to have time to have the leverage and to have that urgency and that push the pedal where teams are going to go ahead and they're going to really throw the hammer down now for Soto to the point where you'd be willing to deal him? I think it's very unlikely. I would say if you ask for percentages and those things are obviously difficult, I would say it's, it's a less than 20% and maybe less than 10 that he got dealt before the deadline. If you were to give me like a pie of 100, just my own guess, I would tell you let's use between now and the deadline, okay? Let's use next offseason and let's use next year's deadline period, all right? I would say to you, I would give you as my percentages – 40% next year's deadline period, 40% this coming off season, and 20% between now and the deadline. I may even go I, I, I may even go 45, 45, 10, probably. Actually, I think I'd do that. 45% in the next year's lead up to the deadline, 45% in the offseason upcoming, and 10% between now and the deadline. It's just too difficult. And you're not going to know. Like there's, That's part of the, the, the problem about making deals is sometimes these deals are made too early. And you hear GMs say, and I understand it from their side. Hindsight's 2020. They're like, you know, I thought that was the best deal we we're going to get. Like, how do you know that? Three weeks to me isn't enough time. The guy's not a free agent at the end of the year, at the end of this year. And even in the offseason, you still have two years left to play with on his deal. Right next deadline, you got a year plus. I, I'm not looking at this as any kind of scenario where he gets dealt in the next three weeks, unless somebody totally throws down the pedal and overpays. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think the other part of this is on the other side of it. The longer you wait, the na right now the Nationals could ask for your whole farm system. Like how available is available, right? Like yeah, okay, I'm not selling such and such at the garage sale. But if, you know, for this standard definition television, you want to give me five grand for it, I'll do it. Well, of course. I'm like, what am I, an asshole? I'm not giving you 50 for it. Okay. How available is available, right? How much is there a for sale sign on Soto? Are you listening? Everyone listens. You know, I'd like to know the value of my home if you're willing to offer me a ton more for it, right? How available is available? I think three weeks is a difficult period. I think it's the beginning of the conversations. It may set stages for off-season conversations that net, I think, more fruit. But I think you're looking at a situation where, A, you're never going to find equal value if you're trading Soto. And in the national situation, this is going to be very, very difficult. And, B, you're never going to find a value that's going to be good enough for the nationals within comprehension if you try and do it in the next three weeks. So I think we're looking more at the off-season, all right? It's still interesting, and conversations may begin. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear reports that 10 teams already checked in. It's been 20, wouldn't you? I mean, it's the first thing you're doing. But you're having, okay, really how, I think the first time is, is a litmus test, really how serious are you? Are you really thinking about it? But I want to talk about this one other portion of this that people will not bring up, all right? And I do think it's, it's got value to it. We have seen in the past where teams trade for players that they know they cannot resign. They know there's no chance that I'm going to be able to keep this player when he becomes a free agent at the end of the season, so I rent him for a few months, try and take a shot. At the end of next year, so I feel like I could take two shots. The one place where it's interesting for me between now and the deadline 
is if I'm a team who can't afford him, but I'm loaded with prospects. Now, you got arbitration. You're going to have to pay him. I mean, we're looking. Look what Judge just got. You're going to talk about a nice number, right? So there's going to be a monetary aspect of this, but it's not to the long-term conversation of having a deal for a guy for, you know, $500 million, right? We're talking about his current deal and, and going through the arbitration process. It's, it's going to be money involved. But, again, how crazy you want to get teams like the Mariners and maybe like, I don't know if I'm going to pay for him afterwards, but I'm willing to pay the arbitration numbers and I got a chance to make the postseason. I just won 11 straight, et cetera. Right. Minnesota twins. Hey, got a chance to really win this division. And after going up and down, I want to try and beat the Yankees once in the playoffs. I can never go ahead and keep Soto, but if I could take three shots at them this postseason and the next two, maybe it's worth it for me. The Tampa Bay Rays, the Oakland athletics, there are a lot of teams. You could put anybody. Look, it's Juan Soto. Again, going back to it, there are some of these where like, ah, that's stupid. There's no way. There's no way except it's Juan Soto. And if you're overloaded with prospects, the other part of this is if you do this now between now and the deadline, and again, this is highly unlikely, but I think it's important to bring up, all right? If you do this between now and the deadline and you're a team that cannot afford to keep him, but you can afford at least what it's going to be between now and the end of his contract, think about this. You can go get a dude and go move him anyway. Assuming Juan Soto is going to keep being Juan Soto, it's why you think the value is going to be five, six, seven hundred. Who knows how many million dollars it can make, right? I think there's a. I think if the, if he was a free agent at the end of this offseason, I think the number would be five hundred. My own guess. I think it would be. I think that would be the number to get over. It would be like a price is right, five hundred and one million. I think that's where you'd be looking at. All right, I do. Forty million dollar a year, five hundred in in one million dollar kind of a thing. I think that's what you're looking at. If he's a free agent now, that could get bigger. Just think about it naturally over the next two years. But here's the other part of this. If you got a chance to win now and you can't afford to keep him on it, you're not going to offer him $500 million, but you're loaded with prospects and you're winning and you're in the winning season and you got a chance to make money. Like you're not, uh, you don't have a high payroll, right? You got a chance to go to the postseason. Postseason dollars come back in spades. Ticket sales the next year, forgetting the postseason come back. You could go get Juan Soto, take a shot with him this year, turn him around in spring training, take a whole nother shot with him next year, trade him at the deadline next year with a year plus, and recoup probably the entirety of what you sold. Because the fact of the matter is, is that the longer that you go through this, and if he continues to play this well, just like we saw with Aaron Judge, they only raise the value, they only raise the number, but it also keeps longer period of time for teams to start salivating about what it would be to, to take to get him. And you still would have the levers that he's not a rental and you got a year plus. So I think there's a lot at play here. I don't think this is going to happen between now and the deadline. I don't. I think you're looking at a $500 million north kind of a contract for sure. I think whether he wants to play for the Nationals or not, he knows that he's going to get more money than this, and he doesn't need it to be backloaded. If the Nationals really wanted him to sign the dotted line, they could have offered him 500 mil with an even AAV across the board and probably got the deal done today even though he's playing for the Nationals. Because, again, the part people don't realize is he can go ahead in two years and say he wants to leave anyway. Like he's going to be a free agent in two and a half, at the end of, the, the, not this year, right, two more. He can go at that same time, same time, and say, I want to trade. I can't stand it here. I hate all of you. And they're not going to keep him because that's what happens. And it may take a while, like it may for Durant, and I know it's different in the NBA, but he get moved and he goes somewhere else. The player's in control of that, especially if he's playing as well as Soto is and continues to hold the value that Soto's going to have and that you can net a return, right? But you can keep him, 
pay him the money, sell the franchise, then be in the, the horseshit department, and then move him in two years anyway, even voluntarily if he doesn't have a no trade. So there's a lot to go here. We're just at the beginning. But I think what we need to understand is across the board, where everything has a common denominator is that this is one of one. It's one. Th this is an, an age that he's in, the, the talent level this guy has. This is not like other scenarios, and I don't think it'll develop that way. You'll see teams in it that you're like, I don't think it, this is not just the Mets and the Yankees and the Dodgers. There are going to be other teams that would be willing to do this because of the money Juan Soto could make you. There are going to be other teams that are willing to do this, even if they're not guaranteed to sign him, because I don't got to sign him to trade for him. I got him for another couple of years. Even if you do it in the offseason, you got two more years. You're going to see teams get in. This will be more, t I, I, I think, of all the things that I could be assured of. I, I feel really positive and confident that more teams, and it's not going to be 20, but there may be six, seven, eight teams that are legitimately in a fight and a battle to get Soto, not just the three that you think. It is good to be Juan Soto. Again, it takes acorns. I mean, you got the low-hanging fruit. You're sitting there, and you're, you're walking in like Vince McMahon. You are strutting like Conor McGregor if you're turned down 440 million million dollars good for you Juan Soto not so good for the Nationals prospects are cool parades are cooler you for being here with me at believe at Casey Stern uh, is uh, the coolest thank you for joining us for another episode of unfiltered another one is coming up soon this has been episode 17 I have been this guy and this used to be my hair thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.